Welcome back to Drag Time with Hecklina, everybody. It is me, Hecklina. Uh, we have somebody very special joining us on the podcast today. But first, if you love us, please show it. Tell anybody you can about our podcast. Go visit our website, dragtimewithhecklina.com, or join our Facebook page. It is called Creatively Drag Time with Hecklina. We love hearing from you, so leave us a comment also. Um, thank you, everybody, for voting on the, the great opening song controversy. Um, so we've we've kind of settled that. So now it's time to introduce my guest. So this is somebody that I uh, have known since his humble beginnings in San Francisco. Um, I used to see him just about every week at Tranny Shack, and I'm, I'm sure he, I'm sure he knows this. That I always thought he was so cute, and and he, and he always he was dressed he always dressed up really sharp, which I think that's where his name comes from. Now he has opened his very own gay nightclub in New York City, featuring some of the hottest parties happening in Manhattan. It's called The Q, featuring a massive dance floor, burlesque, drag, comedy, live music. It's considered one of the most inclusive and dare I say it, chic places to be post-pandemic, if we can call this post-pandemic. Well, we're going to ask him all about it and more. Please give it up for the very cute Frankie Sharp. Hi, Frankie. Hi, very cute. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me, ever. Oh, well, you are so <laughs> that cute. Feels, that feels so nice. Just even you going through the that little intro of San Francisco makes me so, so nostalgic for that wonderful time when I first moved there. How and long so did you that, live there? I, I moved there when I was right after high school. So it was 19. 1998. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. 1998. I moved there in the middle of the night and I started working at the diesel store, started working in retail and was there till about 2001. Met a boy, moved to Portland, Oregon with the boy, was there for about a year, moved back to San Francisco in 2002. And then I was there till 2009, till September 11th, 2009. Cause I remember it was a cheap ticket to go from San Francisco to New York on September 11th. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So t- tell me about little Frankie before you, what was baby Frankie? Like what were your influences growing up? It oh seems my. like one quote that you said that is, is that you like to dress up like a cartoon character with money. Is that right? Did I say that? Wow, I, I would come up with some really funny sound bites in these interviews. Um, <laughs> I my mother was um, my my father's in the navy, so I was a military brat. So every year from kindergarten until high school, in the middle of the year, we would move to different places, right? So it was I you know I moved to uh, San Diego, California, Fremont, California, Jacksonville, Florida, Key West, Florida, Virginia, like everywhere that there was a, a military base in the U.S. I went to school there. So I was the new kid literally every year of my life, which I think allowed me to kind of get a room to like me pretty swiftly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that was sort of the only thing that I knew was not really t- was to have kind of fair weather um, friends in a fair weather social circle. And then I was on to the next. But before that, my mother was is from the Philippines and she was a dancer at a go-go bar. And that's where my father met her. And so when they had me for the first four or five years of my life, we were still in the Philippines, which is where I was born. Mm-hmm. And we spent, I spent the first four or five years in hooker bars, um, sitting at the bars, sipping 
Shirley Temples watching my mother dance and my father and his weird sailor buddies throw dollar bills at my mother and her sisters. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that was the beginnings of this life that I've manifested for myself. And in a, in a way, I, I only started kind of remembering those moments recently mm-hmm. when I realized that, you know, it's quite literally in my DNA nightlife, but, you know, the neon lights and the, the stale smell of smoke and the smell of like old liquor, like all of right. those things are like a weird nostalgic aphrodisiac to me. So just to be around it is I'm exactly in the place that I'm supposed to be, I feel. Isn't that funny? Like, I yeah. feel like if, if, if they could make a, like a cologne that was like fog juice, <laughs> fog juice and yeah. sweat yeah. and old liquor yeah. that's like stale on the yeah. bar mat, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it, <laughs> I don't need to purchase that. I literally, my closet smells like, I get home at the end of the night and I'm just like, holy Jesus, I smell fucking crazy, but also I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I remember I've, I was doing it so long. I was doing it back in the day when you, people could smoke, you know? And so yeah. I would just, I, I was so used to it, but thinking about it now, everything smelled like cigarette smoke. Yeah. When I moved to San Francisco, we were still smoking inside of bars and mm-hmm. it was fab. I think we were smoking inside of restaurants. I might've made that up, but <laughs> I do remember going to Tranny Shack and smoking at the stud for sure. Well, I, I, I remember you vividly from, uh, from Tranny Shack I as one of the, as, well, of course, but I, I remember <laughs> you, I remember you vividly as one of the pretty boys that was always there. Wow. Did you ever throw parties when you were in? Um, I did. Yeah. I, you know, I will, I, I firstly have to say thank you so much for everything you've done. You may not know this, but you know, you and Tranny Shack and everything that you did there in the stud within that time was a very, very formidable part of my life, my my existence in my career, and even just the sensibility and the sense of aesthetic of everything that I do really was born of that. And oh. I'm so, so appreciative of you and everything. And again, it's another sort of weird thing that I, I didn't realize um, – I didn't realize that that was to be until later when I was putting the sort of world together that I created for myself in New York, I was like, oh, right. This is like, you know, a little bit of Hecklina, a little bit of Club Kid, a little bit of like, you know, weird tenderloin and then chic New York. Like all of it is a part of the same kind of um, all of it's part of the recipe. So anyways, thank you. I don't oh. know if any of that made sense. But well, you know, you. it's it's so funny. Like I, I went to I went to Berlin and I don't know if you know, um, Oh God, panty or a pansy, panty girl. Anyway, there was this club kid, a really cute club kid in San Francisco mm-hmm. who who moved there, and he's he's now like the empresario of Berlin. Oh wow! And I went to his club and it made this big speech, and you know about because I was there, and I was like, oh my God, I didn't even realize it, you know. Yeah. But um, you're like, who me? Yeah, you're me. You're so, <laughs> you're so beloved. It's 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 really amazing. And and God, what a like special, beautiful, wonderful, twisted, bizarre time that was. That just felt. Oh, like, I know. I hate when people say this, but it almost felt like you know one of the last times that felt really really unhinged in like a harmonious way. Yeah, and it was funny because um, I thought that I was that I'd missed out on the heydays of nightlife yeah. because I got. To to uh, San Francisco when the club kid stuff had already uh, in New York, the, the mm-hmm. club kid stuff had turned sour. Of course, mm-hmm. I wasn't around for area mm-hmm. and, uh, and the tunnel. And of course 
the Warhol year. Like I was like, I missed yeah. all that. Right. But then I, but then, you know, I, I realized later now that I, I made my own thing. You created and your that's own great. thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. So, but let's get to you now. So you, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so what, what parties did you throw in San Francisco? So I remember I, you threw a party yeah. with Hoku. Did I, you throw a party? No, that was actually a friend of mine, Zach. He's also half Asian and we always get confused um, for one another back in San Francisco. But that was a party called Macho. And that also was a really, really fun party that I used to go to. Um, mm-hmm. But me and Brontes, I don't know if you remember Brontes Purnell. Oh yeah, totally. Yep. So me and Brontes were best friends, like connected to the hip. And we were going to all these parties that were like house music, techno, disco, which are all my favorite now. But at the time, being that they were that, that was a soundscape everywhere, as natural contrarians, we wanted to throw a party that wasn't that. So we threw this party at, oh God, the place was called The Gangway. Oh yeah, um, I remember that very well. Which was my favorite spot because it was like dilapidated and gross and like just perfectly wonderful. And it was very cinematic and, you know, all the, I love bizarre and beautiful and it was, it was certainly both of those things but we threw a party called <laughs> we threw a party called work me god damn it mm-hmm. and um uh which was based off of a house song we never played house but i was djing off of itunes and we had 99 cent balloons as decorations and you know there was like me who is this you know sort of like bizarre half asian kid and brontes who was this like punk rock you know black faggot running around naked that together we just thought we were the the coolest most special thing on earth but um yeah we also didn't really know how to strike a deal with venues so i think i so i think we were making the venues lots of money but i think we would come out making 40 bucks and still splitting pizza slices and oh wow yeah poor kids but it was the best time of my life it was it was incredible well, you know, it's funny because when um, when I first started Tranny Shack, some of the girls from Tranny Shack started a party at the gangway and I lived right around the mm. corner. I lived uh, right around the corner from that. So so that's one note about that. But the other note is Brontes scares me sometimes because I'll be hanging out and scary. he'll Well he'll I'll be hanging I'll be hanging out and, and he'll walk up to me and be like, Do you want to fuck me? Oh shit. And, yeah, that's and, a, that's and, a, well that's his pickup line. Oh, and I'm like, uh what? You know, it's like oh but I'm I'm hosting a show i'm in full drag i'm like not right now not right um, now Sweetheart. but maybe later um so and then so you what was the, what was the move to new york what was that so, all about so i started doing we ended uh workman goddamn at the gangway and then the mm-hmm. transfer opened and then i started djing at the transfer and mm-hmm. then i started djing for a few of juanita moore's events and then i was like oh this is fun and i can actually make you know pretty decent money doing this and while i was having fun throwing parties i also was just kind of lying around dolores park not really doing anything outside of it and in that time all of my friends started slowly moving to new york and it was just time and uh around september september 2009 um my friend texted me and said i have this great fashion fashion uh showroom job do you want to come be my assistant and like i said i moved to new york september 11th because wow. it was a cheap one-way ticket, and mm-hmm. I never looked back. I thought I was going to work in fashion. That didn't pan out, and I threw a party, and it was pretty successful, and then I just kept going. What was the first party you threw? The first party was at this bar called Bedlam in the Lower East Side, and it was called Everything, and that was in 2010. And it was it was pretty special in the sense that I moved to New York also because of 
my affinity for nightlife. I was really obsessed with Warhol and and not so much the art, but the 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 the, the factory and the family that it kept around him and the people and the community that it kept around him and mm-hmm. all of the beautiful characters that he kept around him. And it was the same with the club kids and then Suzanne Barsh. Like I was just such a New York file when I came to nightlife. But then right. when I when I got here, it felt like that not necessarily that part didn't exist because obviously it didn't exist. It, it, it went and gone, but mm-hmm. um, it felt very like everyone dressed in black was a supermodel and they just kind of stared at each other. There was no, there wasn't that, at least for me, unless I was going the wrong place, there wasn't that visceral heart thumping, knock you over the head experience that I thought was going to happen. So I kind of tapped into the San Francisco nightlife experience. And I think I brought that a little bit to New York. And I think that's why I became so successful. You know, it's so funny because I definitely have to come to one of your parties because the last time I went to New York, Mm -hmm. I got so depressed because I went out to a couple of bars and I was with friends who were yeah. who lived who lived in New York and they were like oh come to this it's a fun party and I went to these parties like, and I was and, and I was like I was like these people they're not even trying yeah you know they're they're not yeah. even trying and yeah. um and 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 he was living near the high line you know mm-hmm. and which used to be the meat packing district mm-hmm. and I was like this is so sanitized and yeah. cup, like cupcake shops and I want sleaze you know yeah. so yeah. and and you know the same thing of course has happened to San Francisco but anyway oh, wow. so you you had this vision and uh mm-hmm. so and so then West Gay came along in yep. 2013 was that yeah, right yeah. Tw- uh 2012 so my party at Bedlam just just really just really got popular. I'm not really sure how or why, but people, I think people responded to my sensibility of not giving a fuck and having just guilt-free, shameless fun. And, you know, cause I'm, I, I love a stripper and I love, you know, a nasty grimy queen and I love playing music that is just whatever we want and is a bit contrarian. I think people really responded to that. So I won uh, a paper magazine award and for best for best nightlife event and the owners of the Westway reached out to me randomly and they asked if they were like, we have this budget, which I never really heard that word before. And like, <laughs> we, have, we have this budget. Do you want to mm-hmm. throw the gay night at, at Westway? And of course the only night that they give the gays is either like a Tuesday or a Sunday. Hello, tranny shack <laughs> Tuesday night. That's right. Oh my God. I forgot that tranny shack was on Tuesday. Right. 12 and a half years. Oh but, wow. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. But it, but what was great about Tuesday, which was the same about tranny shack. Oh wow. That's amazing. I, I didn't make that correlation, but, um, was that only the hardcore went out on a Tuesday? Right. So, so it's not it it's, was the best it's, people. Yeah, and it's yeah. not ruined. It's not ruined right away by Bridge right. and Tunnel. Right. Exactly. Um, eventually, when it becomes so well known, uh, that element does come in. But it's uh, yeah. it's always like on a Tuesday. It's it keeps the bulk of them away. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So yeah, so that Tuesday ran for about four and a half years. It probably would have ran longer, but Ian Schrager bought the block and then turned the whole entire thing into uh, uh, high-rise buildings. Oh, man. (laughs) I know, but it was the time of my life. And what was crazy about it was uh, it was – I don't remember anything from it probably because I was the most chaotic I ever been in my life. I it's it's crazy to think 
the sort of caliber of performers I had at Westgate because I don't even, I don't know how I organized it. I was so out of my mind on just like drugs and alcohol that I mm-hmm. just really don't remember. But I think what was kind of witchy and cool about it was my kind of chaotic, erratic behavior at the time really reflected in the space and in the event and people really latched onto it. So it was cool. Yeah. It sounds also like um, a little bit like my good friend, Mario Diaz, you know, yeah. he, yeah. he had a, he had a vision and he, he went to New York and, and yeah. he was like, he was like, people aren't even trying. Like you're yeah. not even, you're, you're not even aiming that, that light to, uh, onto the mirror ball. And it's just yeah. there. You're like he walks in and he's yeah. like, this, this lighting is wrong. That's yeah. wrong. That's wrong. You know, you have to walk in and be like, what can I do with this? And um, it does take a special vision. And yeah. I, I just, I hate laziness so much. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, on, on the one hand, I mean, the, the, the more fun and, and easy it looks to the people who are going there, mm-hmm. the more work kind of has gone into the back, yeah, the back end right. of it. Yeah. So, and that's what people don't realize. They're they're like, oh, this looks easy, and uh, but it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work, and it's interesting because the times that I, you know, in the middle in the middle part of Westgate, probably around 2014, because we ended in 2016, my ego was through the roof. I was really feeling it, and I would throw all these other one off parties elsewhere, and I would think it was just enough to have me there. And that was mm-hmm. some of the times where I lost the most money, or right. you know, nobody came, or or you know, or I you know just fell flat on my face business wise because I was really resting on my on what I thought was enough which was me but it's not it when I it I always do best and this sounds so trite and so cheesy but I always do best when I really lean into the idea that this is has nothing to do with me and this is for everybody else mm-hmm. and so I have to make sure that the room that they're in feels right for them. I can't just flip a switch and then throw a, you know, a song on and hope for the best. I really have to curate every, every moment of, of the space. And it's funny, Mario Diaz was another person who was like such an inspiration to me. And, and people bring him up to me all the time in terms of, you know, how similar we are in a lot of what we do event wise, especially, you know, when I worked at the cock and our events were very similar there, but we had never been in the same room. I've never met him in my entire life, but I, you know, obviously I think he's a superstar. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he's great. And, um, and yes, you know, uh, yeah, you cannot think that it's all this cult of personality. I mean, it's funny cause I'm, I'm thinking about how I ran tranny shack and it was always what the experience would be for the people who were coming in uh, yeah. to, to, uh, to party. So anyway, yeah. you ended Westgate in 2016 and now in 2020 you launched the cubes. Uh, what did I do? So I took a kind of a sabbatical and got my head straight, and uh, did a party at the Jane Hotel for a little while. That who all, they also owned Westway, and then I did a party there, and then I just started doing some one-off parties, and then this club called Three Dollar Bill opened up in Brooklyn, and they hired me to be the creative director there and the show programmer. And it was great. It was the first time that I had like a full-time nightlife job. It was really stressful, but really rewarding. And the owner of the club was very challenging and very, very difficult to work with. But what I learned from the experience was, oh, I'm really fucking good at this. I want my own club. If I could do this without this person here, I probably can knock this out of the park. And right when I thought that, I got a random phone call from 
uh, Alan Pikes, who is a promoter here in New York, who's very different from me. He does a lot of like Hell's Kitchen, Chelsea clubs. And he reached out to me and he said, you know, I heard about you. I know you. I know of you. I'm looking for a creative partner in this new venue venture with Bob Fluitt, who is uh, another owner operator of a string of bars called Boxers, which is sort of like mainstream kind of gay sports bar. If mm. you can put all those words together, right? Yeah, um, you can. Sadly, <laughs> sadly, you can. Sadly, you can. Um, just kidding, Bob. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they reached out to me really randomly when I had that thought, and they said, "We're going to look at a bunch of venues together. Do you want to come be, you know, a creative partner in this?" have you ever thought about owning your own venue? And so we just started venue shopping and that was 2000, beginning of 2019-ish or so. And then 2000, at the, the summer of 2019, we found the space, fell in love with it. It was a four floor Irish pub that just was had been closed for years and they just did everything. They landscaped the whole space really incorrectly. So Bob, who's an owner, operator and architect was like we could change this into something really, really special. And so it was March 8th, 2020. We find, we went through the community board. We did all the steps to get to where we needed to be to get our license. We got an email from the landlord for to sign our lease on March 15th, 2020. And then March 13th is when the whole world fell apart. Right. And that was it. We were, I thought that was, not only did I, were my dreams crush of owning this space and creating this space, but I was like, is the industry coming back? What am I, what are we going to do? What are we all going to do? I mean, you guys all obviously <sighs> live through the same thing. Well, you know, ha having, ha first of all, having, um, I have a bunch of questions. First of all, having yeah. owned my own nightclub that was a big nightclub, it had, you know, a, a, a one bar at, in the front. It had a, yeah. a big dance floor. Mm -hmm. It had a uh, open rooftop, you know, all that stuff. A lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. First of all, I, I, I had to get a lot of investors. And yeah. second of all, it's a real challenge to, because yeah. I'm sure New York is just, just as expensive as San Francisco mm -hmm. when it when it comes to ordering liquor and you know blah blah blah, blah all that stuff. Yeah. So you got um, investors, right? Yeah, we got we got a, a couple of really great things happen. One was you know in a weird way, and this I'll, you know, I'll probably get shit for this, but in a weird way, the pandemic really served us in a good way. I mean, I mean, I personally, you know lost my best friend, lost neighbors, lost coworkers. You know, a lot of us lost a lot. And right. but in that, when we returned from all this, we 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 gained a lot. So we were monitoring at how everything was moving just like everyone else right. was. And our landlord called us at the at the beginning of this summer, this past summer, and said, um, Look, the the space is still there. We think we're gonna the industry is gonna come back. We'll give you a COVID friendly lease, which basically was like you know cheap rent and uh, free rent while we were in construction, which was really nice, and also a kind of good gentleman's clause where or good faith clause where if shit hit the fan again we could all just bow out and then you know look the other way and then oh that's great which was great right mm -hmm. super super fortunate mm -hmm. and then in that you know we all of my friends really wanted to be a part of this beautiful new return and kind of new renaissance of of New York nightlife, and it was really easy to get to get them on board. That's great. You yeah. you, you had some high high visibility investors. You had uh, <laughs> yeah. wait, wait, is it um, Jake Shears uh -huh. and and the the 
the kid from Desperate Housewives. What's kid, his name yeah, again? The kid from Desperate Housewives. Uh, so, <laughs> so, what's his so name? Charlie Carver. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Charlie Carver, um, Billy Porter, Jake mm-hmm. Shears, and Zachary Quinto. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, that's fabulous. Now, are they – so they're like, you know, the visible – investor kind of people. Yeah, they're great. I mean, they really allowed us, I mean, they invested money, but they Mm -hmm. also allowed a lot of attention on the space that, you know, kind of money can't, I guess money can buy, but I guess money can't buy. No, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was really cool. And it was also important that, because, I mean, not to sound like a dick, but you know, we had a lot of people interested to help us out. And mm-hmm. I, I, I specifically chose these people because they're actually my friends and also they're New Yorkers and they're New Yorkers who, you know, we're in the middle of Times Square and Hell's Kitchen. So the kind of the aesthetic of the space and the programming of what we do is very, it's nightclub and it's sleazy and it's chic and it's also theater all at the same time. So it was important that my partners um, ex- exuded those qualities as well. They're all New Yorkers. They're all performers. They're all gay. And, yeah. More, more importantly, how how is Zachary Quinto in bed? Uh, I can't tell you that. What? <laughs> well, I just I'm just not allowed to tell you that. No, I'm oh. kidding. No, no, Zachary Quinto's just a buddy. Okay, okay. Now, um, but I will say, so handsome. So, oh, so handsome. So handsome yeah. in person, and just the loveliest. All four of them are just the loveliest, sweetest creatures ever existed. You know, one thing I have to say is that when I was running my nightclub, I have a politi- I have a pretty politically incorrect sensibility. I, I, <laughs> no. I can't, uh, well, yes, and I, I cannot, I can't stand the snowflakes sometimes. And mm-hmm. so, but it's a minefield once you mm-hmm. own a business. Have you had to really? Have you? Has somebody? Has, has anybody tried tried to cancel you? Or yeah. oh have you gosh. dealt with that crap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, for uh-huh. sure. It was interesting because I remember I posted when we got to announce the investors. We did an Instagram post with a picture of the four of them around the lo- the Q logo, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's it's the four of them. And to me, they're you know, I mean, Billy, who is admittedly you know gender fluid, non binary, and they're all really, and they're all like you know, also at the end of the day, they're just like they're theater gays, so they're all very ex- like truly eccentric characters. And I, you know, the first thing was, oh, just a bunch of more more cis white presenting, you know, oh god, whatever. And it's like. Okay. But it's weird. I'm like, okay, well, if that's what you see, maybe I need to investigate more in this and maybe there's something I'm not seeing or whatever. But there was that. And there was also, you know, like, oh, another, you know, white only club in Hell's Kitchen or whatever. But it's it's interesting because I'm like, I'm fully Asian. Yep, <laughs> like, I know, I'm it's like, crazy. It's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so strange. I don't know what throws them off about me that makes them think otherwise. But Well, um, you know why? It's because you're successful. That's why. Yeah. And um, people can't stand that. And it's so funny. Look, yeah. Like, if, if you don't like it, Go start your own club. Yeah. Or whatever. I, yeah, no, I certainly I mean I, I've I've noticed that right away. I mean, a lot of times mm-hmm. that people the people I would say ninety-eight percent of the response and feedback has been not only positive, it's been congratulatory, complimentary, and very uh and, and very nurturing for 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 us mm-hmm. as a venue. But the other tiny percent, which is the percent that you often have <laughs> often that gets under your skin is, you know, it just comes from a place of insecurity. And I always say that I have to remind myself that it's not my cross to bear if someone can't identify an emotion that challenges them with themselves.
themselves. And it's unfair for me to have to deal with it. So oftentimes I'm just like, whatever, you hate yourself, move on. Yeah, it's true. I mean, at first I was like, what more can I do to yeah. to, to, to program this yeah. club? Yeah. And also, you know, I'm working my ass off here. Yeah. Like you, 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 if somebody wants to step in and try and open a nightclub yeah. at, in the city of San Francisco yeah. in, in, in 2015, then please step up. Yeah, but, it, it's, but yeah, it's very hard. It's, it, it is like having a wild headless baby. I, I was not expect, I mean, I was expecting to work around the clock, but I wasn't expecting to work around the clock. If that makes well, sense. Well, no, it's, it's funny because, uh, I, I know Darcy and I, when we bought Oasis, we were like, yeah, we're going to be in drag every night and we're going to, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to sit there and welcome yeah. people into yeah. our, but, 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 but the minute, uh, the, the, minute happened, right. the, the minute we opened, I was like, I was like unclogging toilets and I was like, you know, running around and just shopping and paying taxes and dealing with liquor distributors. And, and I was like, I hate, you know, it's like, and my, and, and you're on 24 hours a day. Yeah. Well, I, know. what I really, really hate, cause I had the same thought. I was like, Oh, I'm going to have all these new outfits. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to be like, <laughs> what, I'm going to be prom queen every single night. I'm going to be there from open to close. And uh-huh. I was there open to close for the first few months, but I was in the same outfit every single fucking day. I had a crazy beard. I like barely showered. Like it was great. It was not the glamorous life that I had anticipated. And I just recently, probably in the last couple of weeks, had my first like real day off where I didn't have to think about anything. But I really Mm -hmm. had to force myself to not think about the queue, which is tough. Because I I immediately go to, it's probably on fire. There's probably a leak. Someone's dying. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's just my chaotic yeah or i mean or or somebody's ODing and and you know you yeah. gotta get, gotta get him out of the street before the ambulance yeah. shows up anyway whatever yeah, so whatever. so <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about the people who are inspiring you right now are you you okay. said you've i read that you really you really uh love Lil nas x and got mick and uh, and who, who are you booking at the queue are you booking um, people yeah, I do. I do the programming and the booking, and it's interesting because you know when I was when I was just doing producing and promoting, I really leaned on big name uh, performers to generate revenue for me. And we don't really. I think post pandemic, we never really have to do that because we're in this really great honeymoon of like everyone just needing to be out. It doesn't matter totally who, yeah. who you book, kind of, which is sort of right. nice from a mm-hmm. money perspective, but. Um, uh yeah, but we've had Simone from Drag Race who I adore. Um uh who else have we had that's been really, really incredible? We really haven't had to book too many big names. And honestly, like I- I'm seeing all these other producers and promoters like book all these big names, and it feels like well, whatever. I don't want to come for them. No, um, I, yeah. I mean, it I, just feels yeah. a little like a, it feels a little bit of like yesteryear or like like I'm like I I used to pull all these stunts and I'm just I, I remember when I decided to open this space. I'm like oh I don't have to pull these stunts anymore. I'm yeah. just gonna do what I do and the people and the people will come. But yeah, I mean, you know, got Mick. It's funny. I I. uh I'm starting to film this TV show about myself and the staff at the queue and um, it'll be an interesting journey. And I was really, really nervous about it. And cause I don't want to be on TV. I mean, I like money and mm-hmm. I like free clothes, <laughs> but I don't want to be on TV, but also it's great for the business. Right. So of course. I 
was really nervous about how I was going to come across. I think most people feel that insecurity when they're going to be on TV or whatever. And I remember seeing Gottmik on television. It was the first time that I saw someone who felt like me, which just sort of felt, um, I think, gender fluid in a way that I that I never recognized before. But I was like, oh, that person just sounds like they're from California. They sound like me. Like, then they're not trying. They're just being. And what I also really liked about them was that they – we're kind of like, oh, this is just how I am. Take it or leave it. If you like it, great. If you don't, it doesn't matter. And I know that sounds very general, but that's a really tough one for me. Like I had this very performative bravado for a, for a long time to make sure certain people would like me or accept me. And then because of seeing Gottmik on television, I've let go of that. And so that's been really nice. That was a weird tangent. I hope I answered a question there. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's it's. Uh, I, I think I think you're right. I think I, I, I like the point that you touched on because. I thought the exact same thing about that nightlife will be on a honeymoon for a while where people yeah. are just happy to go out. Yeah. And, um, and like, you know, when I was running my Saturday show, I hated that I always had to really depend on booking these RuPaul yeah. girls and yeah. stuff, you know, Me too. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and not so much dealing with the girls, but dealing with the management, blah, blah, blah. And I, so well, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I did not like, I, I'm, I really did not like competing with other people. That part mm-hmm. felt really, it was exhausting. It, I was anxious all the time. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like it because it's not, I'm competitive in other ways, right? Like I'm competitive at chess and I'm competitive at like, <laughs> like physical stuff, but like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's such, it is such an honor that this is my job in my life that to have to compete by like booking, you know, a, a pop star and a, and a drag race girl and a this and that and the other just feels like, oh, yeah. come on. I just, yeah. I, I, I want to move on. I have moved on, which is nice. Well, so tell us about the parties you have going on at the queue now. So you have cruisers on Thursdays. Oh and yeah, Thursdays. Fridays. Thursdays is the best party. You would love it. So yeah, Thursdays is cruisers. Friday is pop rave, and Saturday is Babylon. But um, cruisers is the best. My favorite night because I DJ and I rarely DJ my own space. Um, but Thursday is a really interesting night because on Thursday there's three, there's four floors, but three floors of entertainment. So on the first floor we have this like beautiful, insane jazz band that plays on the first floor, and it's like really classic smoky New York and the first floor is is dressed like the whole space is my love letter to New York. So when you walk in the first floor, it's like Goodfellas banquettes, like low seating, red cabaret drapery. Like it's all very classic New York. And then the second floor, I call it the Kaka goes to Japan. So it's like very like dungeness and cool, but it's like, you know, 90s, early 2000s cartoon street art everywhere, cage, cages for the dancers and little nooks and crannies that you can get lost in. And there's a secret room behind a tufted wall. And then the third floor is just a bonkers nightclub Mm -hmm. and so on the second floor is my party called cruisers which is just straight up sluts so it's like lap dances you know dudes doing what dudes do you know them's doing what them's do Mm -hmm. and it's um just a sexy good time and then the top floor is just a full-on dance party so you can figure eight through the entire space all night long and and there's no reason to leave and it's just been really fun and then fridays friday is essentially like three floors of of pop music and that frankly is like for the neighborhood they love it it's easy it's great it's fun no fuss no muss and then saturday is for like the very serious like sort of house heads so that night it's one of my favorites as well is there a velvet rope 
Um, there is a technical velvet rope, but I, I'm never a fan of VIP. I mean, like in New York, it's sort of everyone's VIP. And actually, frankly, I always say that anyone who pays a cover is actually VIP. Anyone who, com- <laughs> anyone who comes in for free, I'm just sort of like, whatever, like roll my eyes. Okay, girl. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I never, I don't really treat hierarchy, uh, in, in Clubland in, in any in any kind of way. The only person probably that was that requested anything was Zachary Quinto when he came and he he always likes a temperature controlled room, but that's the only sort of <laughs> VI, VIP uh, request I get from anybody. And of course I try to make it as refrigerated as possible for him. Oh yeah. Well that's essential. <laughs> that's essential for me too. It's essential for me too. Well uh, so I, we're almost at the end of the podcast but I want to ask shit. you wow. I know isn't that crazy? Yeah, I want to ask you crazy. two important questions okay one when are you booking hecklina for the queue oh my god tomorrow anytime <laughs> hecklina anytime any anytime i have a question for you about that so mm-hmm. i and, and maybe it's a touchy subject but when it comes to the word tranny shack and you didn't you got quite a bit of flack for that um with the sensitivas that were out and about uh-huh. online yeah. right uh-huh. i yes. mean does is it, is it do you get the same do you get any sort of i'm like you will now but do you get any sort <laughs> of um any I would love to do a tranny shack New York again and like have that moment happen. Well, but unfortunately, I, wonder- I mean, the, so unfortunately, the 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 name tranny shack is very much to me uh, a thing of the '90s. I mean, yeah, it's I it's like I mean, I, I had this talk with Lady Bunny. I mean, yeah. she she will always be identified by Wigstock. Yeah, I will I will always be identified by tranny shack and also yeah. now Oasis, which yeah. I you yeah, know yeah, I was yeah. a big part of. Yeah, but. I could never like when I start yeah. when I when I opened Oasis. There was a yeah. big pressure for me to start a weekly drag show again, mm-hmm. and a lot and a lot of the people who had been to Tranny Shack, they're like, "Just do Tranny Shack." I'm like, "I'm not, I'm not going to open a nightclub." Yeah, 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 and un- then do that and yeah. do that. So yeah. um, unfortunately, I, I I won't be doing I Tranny do, Shack. Well, you you, you know? know what? It's funny when you say that out loud. I'm like, "Yeah, what am I talking about?" Because people are always like, "Oh, you didn't do Westgate at the queue." I'm like, "Why would I do what I did before here? That makes no sense to me." And it's funny because I remember. <laughs> asking lady but i was like oh yeah let's do a wig stock redux before she you know did it again and i'm like that's like uh, yeah why would we do that it had its moment it had its time it was beautiful when it happened but yeah yeah yeah. And you I know, it, and and it also never seemed to be the same outside of yeah. the stud. Like yeah. when I, when I when I brought it to DNA, it became yeah. this big, huge show, yeah. which which no longer really resembled. Tra- anyway, that's right, um, right. like a weird so that- Hollywood version of what the <laughs> amazing show actually was. Yeah. Okay. Then, now, the second most important okay. question is: What is your favorite memory of Hecklina? Um, I don't think you ever ate my butt, but I, <laughs> but I certainly remember a lot of butts being eaten by you in front of me, very close proximity. Did, did, did <laughs> I, did I, didn't I try to eat your butt? I think you try. I think, I mean, again, there's not much I remember after the first hour that I'm at Tranny Shack or the uh-huh. stud in general, but, right. uh, I mean, maybe, but I think I would have remembered. I think I would have remembered that. I would have remembered because I was always sober. But I also remember just feeling really good around you, honestly. And I know that also sounds really cheesy and trite, but I just – I don't think you understand that – 
time and place and you and the people there were, were such a magical, formidable part of my life that it makes me tear up when I even think about it. Like, oh, you're so sweet. I just think you're the most amazing. Oh my God, you're so sweet. Well, on that note, we've come to the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you if you want to find Frankie Sharp online and keep, what, keep up with what he's doing, go to Instagram at Frankie Sharp, his website, www.frankiesharp.com. Check out the events at The Q by visiting www.theqnyc.com. Yep. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Hecklina. If you love us, please show it. Tell anybody you can about Drag Time with Hecklina, the podcast, or you can give us a tip so Mark can keep the show going. Just find Drag Time on Venmo or Cash App. Thank you to all of our listeners, and a big thank you again to the very cute Frankie Sharp. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> what an amazing time. Thank you so much. Thank wow. you. Thank you. Hello, Drag Time listeners. It's me, your ghoul friend, Peaches Christ, and I want to cordially invite you to attend my brand new Terrorball show happening at the historic San Francisco Mint Building this fall. I'm the writer and director of this fully immersive haunted attraction called The Immortal Reckoning, a 60-minute supernatural adventure that finds guests transported to another dimension. Yes, it's scary, Mary. You can even choose to opt in for enhanced interactivity by wearing a red glow necklace, consenting to be touched, isolated, force-fed, drawn on, or worse. And you'll want to get there early and stay late to enjoy our vampire bar, Fang Bang, featuring the best in 80s goth music, actual vampire bartenders, vampire go-go dancers, and vampire strippers. Book your tickets today at terrorvault.com, and I'll scare you there, ghouls. (laughs) 